Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and comment to stay up to date and enjoy life on the Paradise Coast. Now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com also brought to you by life in naples magazine be in the know and stay up to date by reading life in naples life in naples.net is the website we have by the way beautiful sunrise this morning if you're looking out the window on the east side it's just unbelievably beautiful uh now so many colors in the sky we have great guests for today's show including william yateman he's a research fellow with the cato institute we have lots to talk about John Burlow is with the uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute. He's written a book, George Washington Entrepreneur. I've read it this week. It is really fantastic. So John will be joining us. We'll visit with Byron Donalds, our newly elected representative, U.S. representative here on the Paradise Coast. And Dave Bigo is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He'll be joining us as well. It is December the 4th, and on this day in 1942 in Warsaw, a group of Polish Christians put their own lives at risk when they set up a council for the assistance of the Jews. The group was led by two women, Zofia Kosak and Wanda Filipowicz. Since the German invasion of Poland in 1939, the Jewish population had either been thrust into ghettos, transported to concentration labor camps, or murdered. Jewish homes and shops were confiscated and synagogues were burned to the ground. Word about the Jews' fate finally leaked out in June 1942 when a Warsaw Underground newspaper, the Liberty Brigade, made public the news that tens of thousands of Jews were being gassed at a death camp in Poland almost seven months after the extermination of prisoners began. Despite the growing knowledge of the final solution, the mass extermination of European Jewry and the growing network of extermination camps in Poland, little was done to stop it. Outside Poland, there was only angry speeches from politicians and promises of post-war reprisals. Within Poland, uh, non-Jewish Poles were threatening were themselves often the objects of persecution and forced labor at the hands of their Nazi occupiers. Being Slavs, they too were considered, quote-unquote, inferior to the Aryan Germans. But this didn't stop Zofia Kosak and Wanda Filipowicz, two Polish Christians who were determined to do what they could to per- protect their Jewish neighbors. The fates of the two women were unclear, so it was uncertain whether the mission was successful, but the very fact that they established the council is evidence that some brave souls were willing to risk everything to help uh, persecuted Jews. They were not alone in their struggle to help. In fact, only two days after the council was established, the uh, SS, Hitler's political terror poli- uh, police force, rounded up 23 men and women and children and locked them in a cottage and some in a barn and they burned them alive. Can you imagine that? Horrific. Their crime, suspicion of harboring Jews. Despite the bravery of some Polish Christians and Jewish resistance fighters within the Warsaw Ghetto, who uh, rebelled in 1943, some of whom found refuge among Christian neighbors as they attempted to elude the SS, the Nazi death machine proved overwhelming. Poland became the killing ground for not only Polish Jewish citizens, but much of Europe's approximately 4.5 million Jews were killed in Poland's death and labor camps by war's end. Tragic story. But what a story of heroism that two women uh, who made a difference. Uh, 
let's hope uh, let's hope that uh, courage is courageous. Certainly, these women were very courageous. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 202 new cases of COVID-19 and one additional death in Collier County on Thursday. The death was identified by the state as a 89-year-old woman who had contact with a known case and whose positive case was counted in the state on December the 2nd. Seems so suspicious to me that she'd be included in that group. Now, there were uh, 89 COVID patients in Collier County hospitals with lots of empty beds. I'm not uh, concerned about overwhelming the health care system at this point. By the way, uh, the Naples City Council chose Thursday for a second time to not enact a mass mandate throughout the city to slow the spread of the coronavirus. I think this is terrific. Teresa, Teresa I'm going to give a little shout out to her. She actually said, you know what, we trust the citizens here of Collier County to wash their hands, keep distance, do what is safe. And for her that uh, doing saying that, I salute her. Uh, she said, actually, I do not definitely support the county's ordinance, and the only reason I would support our resolution with many changes in it is because it gets people who are fear and they want to mandate something that they can hold on to. So in other words, she, they're just accommodating to the, to the uh, fear that people have. She, of course, had the coronavirus and, quote-unquote, survived it. So uh, congratulations to you, Teresa. Well, President-elect Joe Biden said he would ask all Americans to wear a mask to prevent the spread of the coronavirus for the first 100 days of his administration, as well as issue a standing order requiring face coverings in federal buildings and interstate transportation. My God, please protect us from President Joe Biden. Anyhow, Director of National Intelligence John Radcliffe is warning the Chinese represents the greatest threat to, uh, currently to facing the United States. He was formerly served as U.S. congressman in Texas, noted in December 3rd Wall Street Journal piece that in his current role, he has access to more intelligence than anyone in American government except the president. He said as director of national intelligence, I am entrusted with access to more intelligence than any member of the U.S. government other than the president, he wrote. I oversee the intelligence agencies and my office produces the president's daily brief detailing the threats that face our country. If I could communicate communicate one thing to the American people from this unique vantage point is that the People's Republic of China poses the greatest threat to America today and the greatest threat to democracy and freedom worldwide since World War II. This is our once-in-a-generation challenge, he wrote. Americans have always risen to the moment for defeating the scourge of fascism to bring down the Iron Curtain. This generation will be judged by its response to China's effort to reshape the world in its own image and replace America as the dominant superpower. The intelligence is clear, and our response must be as well, said John Radcliffe. By the way, uh, China has, uh, has it that uh, invested about $400 million in this uh, Dominion software. So uh makes me wonder. I'm very suspicious about what role they may have played in our elections. By the way, video evidence that appears to show stashed cash uh, cases of ballots in Georgia was played during a legislative hearing on Thursday. President Trump's attorney, former New York Mayor, Mayor uh, Rudy Giuliani, presented bombshell evidence from surveillance cameras that appeared to catch cases of absentee and military ballots being pulled out from under a table to be counted in Fulton County. The alleged incident occurred at 10.30 p.m. at State Farm Arena after counting allegedly stopped when the observers and other workers were told to go home. The woman testifying said she witnessed four suitcases being pulled out from under the table 
They occurred after the supervisor with blonde braids told poll workers to leave the room. Four people, including the woman with braids, who told the others to leave, staying behind to continue to counting the votes, according to the allegation. So what are these ballots doing there, separate from all the other ballots, and why are they only counting them whenever the place is cleared out and no witnesses? Jackie Pick, a Trump legal team volunteer, asked the Georgia Senate. Uh, Pick said the unobserved counting went on at until about 1 a.m. The attorney alleged that the counting resumed only after Republican observers and members of the media uh, left the room. Jenna Ellis, who is a member of uh, Trump's team, said it was indicated fraud. You think so? I mean, you can actually see this video. Thousands of ballots being pulled out from under a table, suitcases, and scanned, she said, about shocking evidence. Pick estimated the number of ballots tabulated after observers in the media left the room is beyond the margin of victory, which is allegedly fewer than 13,000 votes. She also used the video evidence to confirm details alleged in affidavits filed by the Republican observers. By the way, uh, President Trump's uh, campaign presented its claims of voter fraud in Nevada to a state court in Carson uh, Thursday, as Democrats argued the evidence was insufficient to warrant overturning tens of thousands of votes. This is just amazing. Republicans claim that there are more than enough questionable or fraudulent votes in Nevada to overcome the 33,596 vote margin by which Joe Biden appeared to defeat Trump in the state after mail-in votes were counted after Election Day. American Conservative Union Chairman Matt Schlapp, who has been uh, the lead of Trump's campaign efforts in Nevada, told the Washington Examiner, In my years of experience in politics, I've never seen the amount of illegal voting like we have documented in Clark County, Nevada. It's at a level of corruption I didn't think could happen in modern free country, he said. So Judge uh, James Russell heard the arguments in the case, but he didn't make any determinations saying he needed to evening to review the evidence so we can expect a decision from the judge perhaps today, as well as we should hear uh, uh, a judgment or a verdict in Wisconsin as well. Well, finally, the uh, number of Americans filing first-time claims for jobless benefits fell last week but remained extraordinarily high. Uh, I think the unemployment rate is down to about 6.8% right now. And uh, clearly, uh, another stimulus package is needed. Um, uh, McConnell said, hey, we're close. I think we could probably get something done. Probably in the range of $906 billion is what the uh, the uh, coalition uh, of uh, senators and, and congressmen put together, bipartisan group. So uh, hopefully something will get done because the economy needs it. It's on shaky ground, and uh, we, we need to get this resolved. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman. He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. We're going to be doing that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, 
Fabulous food and a rockin' good time, Lulabee's Diner's a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more, more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with John Burlau from the uh, Competitive Enterprise Institute. Right now we have with us William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, we're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, William, uh, William Barr uh, appointed uh, John Durham as special prosecutor. We were looking for a, re for a report or some sort of results before the election. That didn't happen. But apparently before the election, he was appointed. Any thoughts on this? Indeed. Welcome news, in my opinion. And uh, as you said, he did this in October, October 19th. Um, and then I guess it was not reported um, or, or not disclosed to the press. Mm. Um, only this week it came to light. And I think it's great news. I mean, again, Durham, he, he's looking into the, the FBI's kind of their decision in 2016 and early 2017 to launch this wide-ranging, sprawling Operation Crossfire, um, you know, looking into alleged improprieties between the Trump campaign and, and Russia, um, if you will. And, mm. and uh, by virtue of this announcement, Durham now has the same latitude to investigate as did Mueller um, when he was looking into that you know, so-called Russiagate and whatnot. Um, so it gives him protection from being fired from a, a president 
Biden were, you know, were just in the office on January 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Um, and uh, we've spoken about this a number of times on a number of Fridays, but uh, this, this criminalization of politics, these these prosecutions that are politics centered, and I think that's undoubtedly what we had going on here. Um, I think they should root this stuff out and, and bring it to light, um, regardless of who, yeah. who is president, regardless of whether or not it's a Republican or a Democrat. And, and I'll note that Durham's investigation has already uncovered. You know, it, uh, it was a, a U.S. A FBI official. It was either a CIA official or FBI official. And yeah. Pardon me for not remembering that, but who had materially altered an email. Um, that was crucial to getting the FISA um, uh, approval of, of an investigation of an American citizen, I think it was Carter Page. Yeah. Um, but that's a big deal. I mean, that's a huge violation of, of civil liberties. And um, so, so yes, I, I very much hope this investigation um, takes as long as need be and roots out any such malfeasance. So I, I think uh, Mueller was a special counsel appointment, and this one is a special prosecutor. To me, that kind of indicates that there are crimes that need to be investigated. In other words, I think, am I, is that my imagination, or what are your thoughts? No, no indeed. And, and I'll just say to that end, the, the, what I just mentioned, that material alteration of an email, that is indeed a crime, mm. um, as well it should be. I mean, the, as a result of that, the, the resources of state power and the state surveillance system were directed into the American citizen. And that's completely unacceptable. Um, so, so yes, I think it does indicate the gravity of, of what is being investigated here. And again, I, I hope that um, any malfeasance is rooted out and brought to light. Absolutely. Let's move to election uh, litigation. We expect a couple of decisions coming down in Wisconsin, as well as, I believe, uh, Nevada or Arizona. I think it's Arizona today. Uh, so well, what are your thoughts about everything that's going on? Well, we've spoken about this on a number of Fridays, and, and as I've said before, it's, it's an uphill climb um, for the Trump campaign. I mean, there's very little the courts can do in terms of overturning the reported results of these elections. Um, uh, having said that, um, the Nevada case is somewhat interesting. I mean, uh, sort of unique to all these efforts, that the, the GOP party in that state has been behind the lawsuit since even before the Trump campaign became involved. Mm-hmm. And they've got some pretty specific allegations, including um, what they allege is that 1,500 dead people voted and that 40,000 people voted twice. Um, and I think the margin of victory there was 38,000 votes. Um, so given the specificity of these charges, the judge, I think they were uh, brought to the court's attention on Wednesday or argued on Wednesday, and the judge... Um, a Clark County judge asked till this morning, I think 10 a.m., um, both sides, while he reviews the evidence, uh, must propose to him an order. Um, so I assume shortly thereafter, sometime today, that, that he would decide one way or another. Um, and, and I should have noticed that, or, or, or brought this to light, or spoken about this when I introduced this topic. Um, but the courts are where this should, should be. I mean, on the one hand, I did say that there's not much they can do in terms of remedy. On the other hand, when it comes to fact-finding, they're the perfect institution mm-hmm. to get to the bottom of anything um, that might have gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I actually look with keen interest as to what that Nevada court, the state court, is going to do today. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I would expect that uh, one of the things they could do, for example, is eliminate the votes that were duplicated or the dead people on the rolls or whatever, so they could mandate something, make that decision, could they not, because that conforms with state law. 
Well, yes. I mean, and again, it, this would be idiosyncratic to state law, any such remedies. But it, it, uh, judges would have, you know, I guess we're dealing in, in this realm with the court's equity powers, which is mm. a fancy legal way of saying very broad powers to achieve um, the rem- a remedy to, to address the harm at issue. But, but here, when we're dealing with this election, where it's not just the state election at play, but also the national implications with this, the, the approaching deadlines that have already passed in other states of, of certifying these election results, it, it does make it supremely complicated. Um, so, it, you know, it, it would have been an up, up, uphill climb, um, you know, were it just a state election. But given these national implications, it, it just is um, beyond the fact-finding role. Yeah. I'm not sure what courts could deliver. Yeah, you know, to me, it seems like, I don't know if you saw the video of in Georgia, of the suitcases and the boxes of votes that were pulled out from under a table and everyone was asked to leave at 1030 at night. And then the video is right there. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. So, I mean, the evidence to me looks so overwhelming that this is systemic fraud that occurred in this election. I, they're only looking at the uh, swing states. My goodness, I wonder what happened in California, Virginia, and other states that aren't being looked at right now. I, I would assume some of the same stuff. So, uh, you know, it, it just makes me wonder, will somebody put on their big boy pants and address this issue and be bold about it? I'll say, well, I'll note this. Regardless of whether or not it were to sway in any way or influence the, the present election, if, if, again, courts are the ideal fact-finding institution, and if facts like that are, brought, are, are proved, um, then that would be huge, and there would be ramifications. There would be electoral ramifications. People, yeah. people would vote accordingly. They would vote with outrage, um, you know, albeit two years or four years down the road for the next you know, congressional and presidential election, respectively. Um, but, but don't, uh, or I wouldn't say, uh, we can't dismiss that fact-finding role and, and the, the potential electoral implications. It would be a big deal. I mean, you know, that is, of course, an anodyne statement and obvious to your listeners. Yeah. Um, if, if, if these courts were to root out um, election malfeasance or, or wrongdoing, um, tomfoolery, whatever, um, then that would be one heck of a big deal, and, and voters would pay attention to that. Yeah, I would think so. Um, and the last question, it's kind of a bombshell here, but uh, Michael Flynn, who we've talked about many times, has suggested the president should consider declaring martial law and, and, and doing the election over again. I would, of course, disagree um, with, with General Flynn on that issue. Um, I, I don't think martial law would, would, would be a, a solution at all, even remotely on the book. I'll say this, however. Um, We've spoken about uh, Mr. Flynn repeatedly, and he did get railroaded by the machinery of our surveillance state, of our FBI, um, of, of, you know, of, of a prosecution. And given his treatment, and given the fact that it was Trump's pardon, it wasn't the courts of justice that, that gave him a resolution, that gave him a remedy, that, that, that freedom of all that. It was Trump, yeah. um, you know, with that pardon that we spoke about last week. Given those circumstances, whereas I 100% disagree with what he says, I can understand where he's coming from. Yeah, exactly. And William Yateman, I have so much more to talk about, but at time is up, William. I just genuinely appreciate your contribution here to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with John Burlow. I've had him on the show several times. It's been a while, but he's just completed, read a boat, wrote, uh, wrote a book about George Washington. We're going to be talking about that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on the board of the Foundation for Government Accountability. The website is thefga.org. Also, I'd like to do a little shout-out to Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, the mall there is going under construction uh, in the uh, Green Tree Shopping Center. So Little Wee's is a, a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit difficult to get to. I should say that. It's a little bit of a walk, I should say. So go to Lulabee's Diner and enjoy great breakfast or lunch. They do a good, great job, and they support St. Matthew's House in a big, big way. So in her complaint, uh, Sydney Powell, uh, she, of course, in Georgia, declared, uh, I'm going to try and say this name properly, it's Nevid Keshevert's Nia, an expert witness who stated under oath that there was massive computer fraud in the 2020 election. All of it intended to secure a victory for Biden. Uh, Dr. Nia's name may not mean a lot to, to us, but it's one of the weightiest names in the world when it comes to sniffing out cybersecurity problems. We know how important Dr. Uh, I'm going to try and say Hershevart's Nia is because just two and a half months ago, the New York Times ran one of its Sunday long-term articles about a massive multi-million dollar fraud that is talented grifter ran against the American intelligence and military communities. 
this doctor is one of the few people who comes off looking good. And those uh, uh, who worked with him said he was always the smartest person in the room in doing cybersecurity and technical counterintelligence work for the CIA, NSA, and FBI. He had special decades connecting top-secret dots. After several months of working with Ms. Mr. Courtney, he began conducting and connecting those dots, too. Did not like where they led. Not only does Dr. Kershvitz Nia have an innate intelligence, but also has an extraordinary academic and practical skills in cyber fraud detection and analysis. The reason we know this is his qualifications that it takes several paragraphs for him to list the declaration he signed in Georgia to support the complaint. And so uh, not, without going through all of his expertise, uh, here's, here's some of the things. He, he says, hammer and scorecard is real, not a hoax, as Democrats allege, and both are used to manipulate election outcomes. Number two, Dominion, ES and S, and Skydal and Smartmatic are all vulnerable to fraud and vote manipulation, and the mainstream media reported on these vulnerabilities in the past. Number three, Dominion has been used in other countries to forge election results. Number four, Dominion's corporate structure is deliberately confusing to hide relationships. I'm thinking this may be John, so let's just check it out here. Hello. Hey, John, is that you? Yes, it is. Hey, well, welcome to the show. <laughs> I did Thank try to reach you. We're on the air right now. I'm so glad you called in because I do want to talk to you uh, about your book. Uh, John Burlow, again, with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. The name of the book is George Washington Entrepreneur. And, John, I, I just want to tell you that, to me, George Washington all seemed, always seemed like a remote figure, you know, some of the person, well, a person that we should admire, but we didn't know much about him other than he was a surveyor, and he was, of course, a great general in the, in the, uh, uh, in, in the war, in, in the Revolutionary War. But you, I think, brought him alive. It's a great book. So welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad for me to be on. Thank you for your patience. Uh, my pleasure, indeed. So, you know, you live right close to uh, to uh, Mount Vernon. I noted that, but uh, why did you write the book? I wrote the book because, just as you said, I think that the business, his business career, and the struggles he found, the struggles with with red tape um, uh, and other things. I mean make him both show his greatness, his creativity, but also make him more relatable to uh, uh, the entrepreneurs that are sort of struggling today, particularly in crisis like this, like this pandemic, that yeah. people can, can relate to things like, you know, uh, like, you know having to change uh, when, when there was a glut of tobacco, having to change to the, uh, to wheat and, and flour, uh, so I that is the that is the thing. It both shows his greatness and it shows how he can be more relatable, more than the face on the dollar. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, one one of the things that uh, you helped us understand in the book is that uh, he was experiencing uh, all the, the things that he, we'd hate so much as the government interference, the British and what they were doing in terms of their taxation, taking over businesses in many cases, having. Uh, just a terrible, terrible levies and so forth to, to them. And he would see the writing on the wall. He, he knew that his businesses would be closed down if British interference continued. I think that's one of the things that really stoked his participation in the Revolutionary War. 
Yes, you can certainly you can see that in a, in the letter uh, to George Mason in 1769, where he specifically wrote about that the British could confiscate. He used the word "my manufacturing." Mm-hmm. So the British were doing things in addition to the taxation. They really, because of their mercantilist system, didn't want America to compete at all um, uh, in 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 manufacturing, even even to manufacturing small scale like na- like nails. And they had things like the Iron Act, where like if if America they found Americans making iron fixtures. They asserted the right to shut down the factories. So Washington was worried about this. And just you know, could they do all this? Could they? Could could they? Um, if they could levy these these taxes on top of that, could they confiscate you know my manufacturing? Because he was getting into that, and you know the the he had a blacksmith shop that was serving other people that was making things like nails and horseshoes. So that's that's the thing. So that's one of the things that motivated him as far as uh, the re- the revolution. Yeah, the, the one of the other things that I know, the book was a great book, by the way, a great read. I feel like I know Thank George you. Washington so much better as a, as a result of reading the book, and it's a great read. Uh, one of the things I noted, though, is he worked as a surveyor, uh, he, as an entrepreneur, too. He was a, kind of a free agent uh, surveyor. But he used these skills and his background as a general in the Civil War. It really served him well, and his his men, as they were overwhelmingly, uh, you know, uh, the the British had a very strong strong army, and he he just uh, used those skills. In, it was just amazing in, in my mind. Yes, I mean he launched what a lot of times what today would be called um, guerrilla warfare, but he knew the land so well. I think the things like you know I don't write as much about his military exploits, but I think things you can look at the Second Battle of Trenton, where even you know when the weather was weather was bad, or you know crossing crossing the Delaware, the surprise attacks that came from knowing the land and knowing you know what could what could do about that, and he got that you know sort of from. You know, appraising land uh, as a as a as a surveyor, so that you know, plus the fact that 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 and you know when he would go into from from that the uh, real estate speculation, he brought you know several parcels of real estate all over the country, yeah. so that increased his knowledge both in being an entrepreneur, businessman, and a military leader, and eventually, you know, of course, our president. Yeah, and of course, you do point out that uh, he uh, did not; he had. He did own slaves, but he did not have good feelings about the fact that people could trade in the lives of uh, human beings. And uh, he, you uh, really made that case. In fact, he, he, at his death, he said he wanted all these slaves released uh, at least uh, once his uh, heirs passed away or moved on. No, I, I mean, yes, yes, yes. I mean, he was the only to he freed his he freed his, his slaves upon his death. It was it was upon Martha's death, and then she and then she freed them early. He is the only founding father who owned slaves to free all of the slaves he owned. The uh, um, he couldn't free the slaves by law, and neither could Martha. That you know were sort of in trust, and you know dowers. Uh, um, uh, slaves for uh, from Martha's first husband for her grandchildren and that was complicated since some of them had you know m- married each other but he freed i mean 123 slaves as well as providing for their uh, uh, the education for some of them and, and old age age pensions for the older ones yeah. so it's an, ex- an extraordinary achievement and costly to his heirs but he just you know became really an, really uh uh, opposed to slavery as as the as the years went by, as after seeing you know free blacks fight in the Revolutionary War, and also seeing the capability of what uh, 
of what of what the the slaves the the enslaved people could do in some of his new ventures like the whiskey distillery and and uh, the flower yeah. and and the flower mill. So yeah. uh, I mean it, it's it's extra it's and he and he made no he was you know increasingly opposed to slavery in at least one public statement I I, I give as well as several letters that he knew, you know, would, would you know, letters were published in his lifetime. He knew they would get out. Yeah, so it's a great book. And uh, John Burlow, again, the Competitive Enterprise Institute, uh, he's award-winning, award-winning uh, journalist, as well as author of this great book, George Washington Entrepreneur. How do we get a copy of the book? It's available on Amazon and uh, Walmart.com and where, uh, Barnes & Noble and wherever books are sold. All right, John. I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you yes. so much for joining us. Thanks so much. George Washington, entrepreneur. Thanks for letting me talk about it, Bob. You bet. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Byron Donalds, our state, uh, actually, U.S. representative, newly elected. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. Amy Amy Trail in Benita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now, we have with us our new, newly elected United States Representative, Byron Donalds. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Morning, Bob. How are you? I'm great, Byron. I hope you are as well. Oh, yeah, I'm doing good. Doing really good. Uh, you're up in Washington? Yeah, so it's the second week of uh, new member orientation. 
So up here, we were doing office selections, you know, staff interviews, things of that nature. Um, and also just making sure you're, you're kind of ready to hit the ground running next year, which, you know, is looking to be like a super light year. They put the calendar out. We're supposed to be here 101 days mm-hmm. um, next year, um, and which is the least amount of days uh, Congress will meet in I don't know, but from what I'm heard, what I'm being told, that's the least amount of days Congress will meet in the last 30 years. Wow. Frankly, which, you know, I mean, to be honest, Bob, I'm, I'm of two minds. Number one, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work that does need to be done on behalf of the American people to get things uh, uh, fixed, uh, whether you're talking about healthcare, immigration, uh, things in our financial system, um, you know, things like that. But on the other note, you know, I kind of always have lived by the credo that, you know, the less, you know, Washington meets better for the American people because they're not <laughs> doing too much damage. So, uh, so you know, I really have two minds on it. Absolutely, Byron. Well, we're grateful you're there. Uh, when do you get sworn in? So we actually, what we heard yesterday is swearing in is going to be on Sunday, January 3rd, which really, you know, shocked a lot of the, the members. We were just like, sunday like okay but it's you know all of this is what the speaker decides frankly and so uh nancy pelosi is the one who's driving that bus she she drives the calendar she drives when swearing in is happening um you know i'll tell you a lot of orientation has just been really disorganized and that's just not me i mean even the new incoming democrats have said the same thing um Listen, it's that's why we got to take back the majority. We got to get Nancy Pelosi out of here. It's, it's really that simple. All right, it is that simple indeed. So, um, well, I, I want to get your thoughts on what's going on in the country right now. I mean, we're, we've had two big court decisions coming in today with regard to the election. Um, <laughs> you know, I think there's reason for some people to get discouraged about what's what's happening. I think the evidence is so overwhelming about systemic fraud in this election. What are your thoughts? Listen, the Georgia, the Georgia revelations uh, really show what the real problems are in elections. I mean, if you have supervisor of elections who allow their team to just count ballots with nobody in the room, there's then you have no check on the integrity of the election. Yeah. It's a serious, serious problem. Um, my hope is, is that in Georgia, I know Governor Kemp came out yesterday, finally, and said that he wanted to see, he wanted to see an audit of you know of of the ballots in various counties throughout the state of georgia um that needs to get done obviously the secretary of state needs to do that and with everybody the secretary of state uh in georgia just like here in florida they're the ones that run elections mm-hmm. uh, i think a secretary of state in georgia is an elected position not appointed if i remember correctly mm-hmm. and so that person um he has he has the responsibility to make sure uh, that this that this gets done, um, but he's also been somebody who's been really uh, intransigent about the fact that Georgia has done it right. But then you see these videos come out where literally poll workers, poll watchers left, and that they're still counting ballots for hours. Yeah, and you just don't know what that could do. I think it was in uh, I think I forget which county. I think it was uh, not Fulton County, where maybe it was Fulton County. Yeah, I think where you know they counted twelve thousand ballots. I mean, well, look at the margin in Georgia. Yeah, the margin in Georgia is not that big, and so these are the issues that we have. 
The other issue we have in Georgia is something that really happened before the election, and it's you have these third party groups who are literally harvesting. I think we talked about uh, they're harvesting uh, absentee applications. Yeah, that's a big problem. And then they're doing absentee ballot harvesting uh, on the collections to get them back into these supervised, get them back into these supervisor elections. Those are things that we've gotten rid of in Florida. That's something Georgia definitely needs, definitely needs to tackle. Um, and you know, we have stuff like that. Then you got you know, you have uh, Arizona. And you have Nevada, you have 1,200 people who were dead, who yeah. voted. Yeah. I mean, th- these are the serious problems that, frankly, Republicans have been talking about for a long time. Uh, and, and to let you know, Bob, so we have a, a lady who's trying to get back to Congress, Claudia uh, Tenney, who's out of New York. Uh, she was up 15 votes. And then all of a sudden, they found 50 ballots. That way, we're just like, oops, these 50, we yeah. found them. They're legitimate ballots. We gotta, they got to get counted. Bob, yeah. it's December. It's December fourth. Yeah, this came out yesterday. Election day was a month ago. Oh. They're finding ballots. This is the problem. I think we. I think we have a serious issue of of ballot integrity of of maintaining ballot ballot custody, and you know the American people can go to the ballot. They can they can check a box, but if you have supervisors of elections who do not maintain the integrity of the of the chain of custody of ballots you can always drop new ballots in the system right and and from anywhere and that's the real fraud that's the real problem and that's what's got to get fixed absolutely it's a it's it's really disheartening to see how this is all happening for the the one thing that we each have we each have a vote that's what we have to to be able to hold the government in check we make sure that we have the right people in charge so we can vote, and it's being tainted. It's being, uh, you know, the whole the whole notion of free election is being destroyed by what's happening here. I hope somehow, some way, we can get this back on course. Is the president going to win? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't know, Bob. I yeah. think what happened in Pennsylvania uh, earlier this week was really disheartening. The the lawsuit that was filed by uh, Sean Parnell and, and several other. Uh, people in the state of uh, Pennsylvania, where they weren't even allowed to present evidence, the state Supreme Court shut it down and said they basically didn't have the ability to bring that case. was was really, frankly, a tragedy. Yeah, you have serious allegations in these states, and with respect with, this, with respect to Pennsylvania, you have a radical state Supreme Court that literally has just put their foot in the ground and says, "No, we're not doing it. Yeah, um, we're not we're not going to allow this case to go forward." Um, you know, you do have major issues in Georgia. We'll see where Georgia goes from respect with respect to an audit uh, and or legal action. But honestly, Bob, I really don't know. Yeah, we are in new territory because you're asking federal judges or state judges in some of these cases to toss tens of thousands of ba- tens of thousands of ballots because of of rampant irregularities. Yeah. It's a very high bar to prove. Um, we were actually having a conversation about this as members. And the biggest thing is that if you want to stop this stuff from happening, you have to get it before the ballots are actually in the box. Right. Which means you have to make sure there are clear rules. You don't have stuff that, frankly, what happened in Pennsylvania, where you have Democrats running in the court and a rogue Supreme Court going around the legislature. That's when you actually stop this stuff. And you try to come in after the fact it is incredibly difficult. So I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. The president needs to continue to fight, and he is. He's not giving up. 
Um, and that's been very clear in, in my conversations up here. The president's not giving up. But we have some serious problems in a, in a lot of these states. And it's it's not a statewide problem in most of them. Yeah. Where it really is, Bob, it's in counties, typically in urban corridors, where the supervisor of elections are working with outside groups to really shift votes in an election. And yeah. it's, it's, it's a tragedy for the American people. It is indeed. Again, Byron Donald, our uh, U.S. representative, in as of January 3rd in Washington, D.C. I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show, Byron. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo. Dave is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government does doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a brand-new performing arts center in downtown Naples. Find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Dave Beagle, as I mentioned before the break. He's the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, a book about the travails of dealing with union bosses over the course of two and a half years, uh, putting up with all their dirty tricks. They're trying to get him to sign a neutrality agreement, which would allow them to bypass the secret ballot for uh, his employees. He prevailed, and uh, he wrote a book about it. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob, and thanks for talking about my book. I, I've got what what's going on during these times with this election, and uh the unions uh, backing Biden's in, you know, big time. Yeah. Um, I'm having, uh, it's interesting. I've had people come to me and say, Dave, can we buy a book from you? Will you sign it for us? And uh, like I had a guy that uh, works in our company come into my office yesterday. He says, um, my son in, in um, college, um, he's, he's writing things, backlogs on books and this election, stuff like that. He says, I need, Two year, buy two year books because I'm going to give one to him and one of uh, his buddies in college who are writing information on this stuff. So I think people are starting to wake up a little bit to what's going on behind the scenes in this election. I think so as well. I mean, uh, many people are dismayed by what the behavior that we're seeing. I don't know if you saw the video yesterday of uh, the, I think it was Fulton County, where they told all the workers to leave and pulled out. 
boxes and suitcases full of ballots and started processing them without observation. It was, it, you know, the it's actually criminal. It's criminal what's happened in this election. Oh, it really is. And, uh, of course, people are trying to um, say, no, it really didn't happen. And some of these states are saying, no, it didn't happen, you know, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and that. And I think Trump has to continue to move forward to, to expose this stuff and overturn this thing, because uh, if not, the left wants to bring this uh, country down and turn it into a socialist communist country. And uh, that's, that's what their agenda is, and that's what they're you know, push uh, Biden to do, uh, no matter what. But here, here's an interesting thing, talking about the unions again. Um, you know, uh, Biden just selected um, a guy for his... Uh, um, economic advisor, and um, uh, this guy, Deese, um, he actually um, was involved in helping the unions uh, overturn um, things with Delphi workers mainly, um, getting rid of their pensions and stuff like that for uh, workers that were decided not to join the union. They were in uh, right-to-work states and didn't want the, uh, so the union ones that, well, they dropped out of the union, so we don't do their pensions, and this guy backed him up. And this is a guy who's going to be the economic advisor for Biden. Yeah. Well, the uh, I think a, uh, a school board, a school union member uh, for the, uh, what is the National Teachers Association, one of those anyhow, apparently it's his nomination for education, the, the Secretary of Education. Uh, we're talking about re destroying the education system. I mean, all the, the progress that we've made with regard to school choice, uh, charter schools, all these things. I think the pre the president, if if we have a president Biden, God forbid, uh, we're going to see all that uh, turn south on us. Well, we are, and uh, <clears throat> on the union side, all the uh, regulations that um, you know have been put in by Obama administration that uh, on, for unions and that, and to, for employers to have to uh, let their people be unionized, and uh, the unions make it make it easier on the unions to unionize them. That you know. Um, President Trump wiped all that out, but uh, under the, the um, Biden scenario, uh, he's going to get rid of all that stuff that Trump's going to do, and, and the big thing he's going to go after is the PRO Act, which is uh, basically what the SEIU uh, tried to do against me in that card check, and um, and it will it'll be um, it'll be a, one of the major things they push through so they can go through and have people sign neutrality agreements and uh, go out and force uh, the, uh, the company's employees to sign union cards and they get 50% plus one. They're all unionized. And uh, this is exactly, if people read my book, this is exactly what they did yeah. to us or tried to do at us. And this is what they're going to try and do across the country to all the people. They're going to try and overturn right-to-work states like Florida. Uh, there's, you know, it is... When you just take a look at the agenda, it's so massive and what they want to accomplish. Green New Deal, are you kidding me? Raise taxes? Oh, no, it's yep. just going to be people with more than $400,000 of income. That is a bold-faced lie. He wants to overturn the tax the uh, tax cuts that uh, Trump put in place in just a couple of years ago. So, you know, this is a... It's going to turn the economy south. It's going to turn the market south. It's, it's, just, it's going to be disastrous. Well, they want to bring down the country, and like I said, and turn it into a socialist communist country uh, without God in it, and uh, so they can control it. And what the American people need to wake up and understand is if that happens, they're going to be much, much poorer, and we're going to become like a Venezuela. There's no question about it, Dave. So, you know, uh, 
So what are your thoughts? Do you think the president can, uh, and his team will pull this off? I mean, the fraud is so massive. Well, I think so. I think they got to keep in there. But, you know, they got, there's a lot of people that are telling him he just needs to drop out and go away and that. And even even Fox News, a lot of people in there are saying that to him and that. And, uh, you know, one of the things behind Fox News is, you know, Rupert, Rupert, Rupert Murdoch, I guess, was, who was the guy who started that. His son, um, uh, Lathian, has taken over, and he's a, he's a leftist. Yeah. And uh, he's trying to get rid of all these... Um, conservative uh fox news talk show host and um and he's pushing them to uh tell the country tell trump to get out i'm happy you brought that up because i don't know but viewership is down on fox news substantially even tucker carlson's view viewership is down 33 percent i for one i do watch the tucker carlson show because i think he does a great job but I refuse to even go on the website for Fox anymore because I think what they did is disastrous. Uh, I, you know, and I would like to just start, let our listeners know, if you're looking for a good place to go for good news, you can go to uh, One American News. does a great job. Uh, the uh, uh, Newsmax uh, uh, video, uh, TV is just terrific as well. There are a lot of great sites besides Fox News. I, quite frankly, <laughs> I hope they pay a big price for what they've done. Well, yeah, and uh, but the you know, I'm, I'm sure behind the scenes they've been controlled by the unions, and because uh, remember the um, um, when Glenn Beck was on there, and I talked about this in my book, um, my second book, that uh, when Glenn Beck was on, uh, when I was there going on Fox Business News, that uh, Glenn Beck came walking down the aisle, and uh, he had all this luggage. I said, "Where are you going?" He says, "I've been fired." Because I did two shows on the SEIU, and they went after Fox's advertisers, and Fox started losing revenues, and they called Fox and said, "Fire Beck, we'll leave your advertisers alone." And that's what's going on hmm. um, today uh, with all the media. And I think they've gone back after Fox big time, and I think that's what's bringing this down too. That is extremely disturbing. I hadn't occurred to me that perhaps this is driven by union activity, but uh, you can see how it would be. Unions play a big role in the in the media, if I'm not mistaken. They control the media, Bob, um, because, you know, when my second book come out, The Devil at Our Doorstep, I think it should be a national bestseller, but it hasn't been as big a seller as it should be, and I'm sure it's because the same thing happened to me. Uh, you know, I was on Fox Business News, and I'd been on CNN and MSNBC and talked about my first book, and when my second book came out, The Devil at Our Doorstep, and I sent it to all the major stations, um, and I called them and sent them emails, and uh, to this day, not one of them responded to me because I'm sure the unions, especially the SCIU, called them and said, don't ever have him back on. We're going to go after your advertisers. Mm. So they're, they're scared to death to go back on and uh, support the Republican Party or anybody that talks about uh, what the unions really do. Uh, again, Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I encourage you to visit thedevilatourdoorstep.com. Get a copy of the book. You can get a nice discount by going to my website and uh, going to the site there. Uh, the devil at our doorstep.com and of course at all great book purveyors as well it's a great read and uh, you, it's it's like a mystery you just you can't be make this stuff up it's unbelievable but it pretty much lays out the blueprint of behavior for the democrat party dave always appreciate your commentary here in the show thanks so much for joining us yeah and i uh, just uh, your audience i hope they all the ones in georgia make sure they vote and um um for the Republican senators there and get out and do it so that they can, we maintain the U.S. Senate. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dave. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. 
uh, to get a copy of the newsletter I send out, you can subscribe. Just send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. On Monday, we're going to have Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, on. We're going to be talking about current world events. Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of murder mysteries, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast. Great weekend as well, or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>